I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Music In My Life with me, Laura Wright. It's the show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? See if you can guess who this week's podcast is about. I've chosen two amazing performers who have battled against all odds and adversity in a physical sense to make their careers a huge success in their own right. This first person I'm going to talk about, I'd like to read you a quote before I tell you who it is and see if you can guess. She says... My career and my life have been about listening in the deepest possible sense. Losing my hearing meant learning how to listen differently, to discover features of sound I hadn't realised existed. Losing my hearing made me a better listener. I wonder if you can guess who it is. Perhaps uh, pop us a note on, on wherever you're listening to see if you can guess who the artist is I'm talking about. This week, I'm going to talk about, as I say, these two incredible artists who have made careers without something that you mistakenly might think is integral to be successful. And instead, their talent takes precedence, as it always should in life, and their success is undeniable. Now, that quote was by Dame Evelyn Glennie, and she's not almost completely deaf, but she's also the first person in history to sustain a full-time career as a solo percussionist. And I know, having worked with different orchestras, smaller ensembles, groups of musicians, that it is incredibly rare to see a woman in the field of percussion becoming successful in her own right and to be seen as a pioneer. If you have a think about any great artist you love, think about what's behind them, the band, the live music. How often have you really seen a female there with the drum set, with all of the different types of percussion, whether it's classical, contemporary, rock, folk, pop? It's pretty limited. For me, it is anyway. I can't think of, I can think of a handful of people. And in fact, I must say at this point, a shout out to someone who has played percussion for me in my band for a long time, uh, Lauren Costi, who's the most incredible percussionist. And I'm sure she's a huge fan of Dame Evelyn Glennie and all that she does. So let's go back a little bit about her history and how she became to be such an incredible percussionist. She grew up in the northeast of Scotland and became drawn to the world of percussion because as her hearing got worse, she could still feel the sound of the instruments. I find this so interesting. She learned her craft with a very dedicated teacher who listened to her needs when it came to learning instruments, not only by note, but by sound and reverberation. So, of course, her career has gone from strength to strength since. And in fact, her determination and her success actually led to her playing the first percussion concerto in the history of the proms at the Royal Abbott Hall back in 1992. Phenomenal. 
Since then, she's collaborated with so many different artists in the world of pop, folk, jazz, classical, contemporary, as well as perhaps most notably, for me anyway, working with director Danny Boyle, leading a thousand drummers as part of the opening ceremony of the London 2012 Olympics. She said of that event, playing at an event like that was proof that music really affects us all, connecting us in ways that the spoken word cannot. So, Let's have a listen to some of that piece of music from the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. Now, this particular piece is where we hear those thousand drummers coming together. We're going to hear two extracts. So we're going to hear the start where we hear unison playing with the drummers. So that's everyone playing the same thing at the same time and the same rhythm. It is very powerful. And if anyone was there, in fact, I bet you could feel the sound through your feet. Dame Evelyn Glennie talks about this in a TED Talks, in fact, which I would really recommend. Um, I think it's called How to Truly Listen. Genuinely, if you think about a live gig you've been to, when it gets loud and you hear that sound, you hear it through your whole body. And that's what she's talking about here. And case in point, we're going to hear some of that now. The second extract we're going to hear is a little later on in the piece where we hear it in full swing, all the other instruments are in. And at this point during the ceremony, if you can remember, this was part of the industrial revolution. So this was where the sea of green that was on the floor of the athletic stadium was pulled apart and these big steaming chimneys came through the ground to reflect what was happening in history. So it was a pretty cool uh, role to play for her as an artist and for all those drummers who volunteered to be part of that experience. So let's have a listen now to this wonderful piece of music is by Underworld and it's called And I Will Kiss. Oh, so good. You could hear it coming in there as well. That strong rhythm from all of those drummers. And even just listening now, I bet if you turned that up in the volume, rewind a bit and play it again, you could probably hear some things shaking in the background. This next extra, as I mentioned, is from a little bit later in the same piece of music where we hear, we hear the drummers, the instruments, the shouting, the singing all coming together to create something very, very loud and actually I think quite iconic in terms of music. Let's have a listen. good it's almost trance like I think when you listen to that kind of music and I think it's a very unique sound as I said especially looking at something like the Olympics and the vision that Danny Boyle had to create music that of course was at the forefront but also allowed all of those other things to be going on at the same time really telling the story when I remember watching that as well I'd love you guys to share your memories of the Olympics and that opening ceremony because 
it made me feel really emotional and really proud as well. There was a lot of different emotions going on, but there was that sort of anticipation and excitement. And I just, I can't believe that it was nearly 10 years ago. Bizarre how time has gone so fast. If you really like the sound of that music and like listening to the history of you know, the things that Dame Evelyn Glennie is doing. She's actually got a podcast as well. It was launched in 2020, so not too long ago. And of course, during COVID times, and it features popular personalities from the world of music, television, and some academics as well. And the episodes center around what listening means to different people. So it's something that I, I've really enjoyed listening to and how listening is important in everyday life and and what that means to each person individually really exciting uh, podcast series and I know they've got some more coming up so I'm not paid to say that that's just a little recommendation from me let's move on to another one of her pieces so this is again from the Olympics and this was a completely different piece though much less aggressive in terms of the instruments used the power of the sound. This is much softer, much more comforting, I would say, a bit like a warm hug. And this is during the moment um, at quite near the beginning of the opening ceremony as we see the teams um, moving round from the different countries and as they light that enormous big flame. I don't know if you remember, but it was like almost a sort of rose petals or a big flower. And as they lit, all of these different structures moved up together and created this big, enormous flame to sort of represent that unity through sports. So it's a really amazing visionary from, from Danny Ball, as I said. So let's have a listen. And also what's interesting is, in fact, let's have a listen first. And I'll tell you about what this instrument is that you can hear Dame Evelyn Glennie playing. See if you can guess and fingers crossed you get it right. She's probably one of the few to play this one. So let's have a listen uh, to some of this piece of music. So that sound that you could hear at the start sounds a little bit like a marimba or a xylophone or something similar. It's called an alufone. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's spelled A-L-U and then phone, P-H-O-N-E. Now, it's a tuned percussion instrument consisting of aluminium bells that are struck with a mallet to produce musical tones. And in its sort of standard configuration, it's mounted on a frame, so it looks a little bit like a xylophone in that sense, or a, not a, maybe more like a marimba, in fact. And it can be played as like a handheld bell, as a single instrument, or it can be played as a stack of bells. They're very durable, they're very strong in terms of the material, so you can hit them with a variety of things, not anyone or uh, <laughs> anything dangerous, but mallets, hammers, all the different things you would use in a drum kit. And as you know, uh, if you look at like a snare drum, so the sort of um, very high sounding uh, drum in a drum set that will often have something on top of it that, that reverberates and you get that light sound, that can only be hit with certain sticks because otherwise the material would just would just break, it would perforate. So 
this is really interesting because these these kind of this instrument is so strong and sturdy that actually it can be played with lots of different types of um, sticks and and ones, as I said. But that means we can get lots of different sounds from it too. Now, I don't think um, many people know about this instrument, even though it sort of looks kind of familiar. So have a look online if you want to, and and you'll sort of recognise it. But I'm sure what will come up is her performance of this piece. Again, really lovely, calming sound to listen to, and beautiful to watch as well so I would recommend watching that performance because to see someone and I bet as well so many people didn't know that she's almost completely deaf I mean to feel she performs barefoot a lot of the time and to feel that music must be quite amazing to be in that moment and to see everything moving around you and to listen to the the sounds through your body a very interesting way of playing music I think a little bit more information, as I say. So she loves to perform barefoot and she says that that allows her to feel the vibrations through her feet. And she says, in fact, my whole body is like a huge ear that I can use to register rhythms, textures, dynamics, and so on. Pitches can be registered by feeling them if they're played in isolation. So if she plays a single pitch on its own, she's able to determine what that pitch, what the pitch of the note is. It just blows my mind. And as I say, almost completely blind and her... She started going blind or losing her sight, sorry, at the age of eight. And that was because of nerve deterioration. And she realized this because she'd start complaining if she went outside, say, to ride her bike and that the wind would really hurt her ears. And and that was a sign for her that there was something wrong. So just really sad, in fact, that, you know, that happened. But also how amazing to then make a career out of being a musician. Uh, Let's hear her playing something classical now. So this is Vivaldi's Concerto in C major. It's the first movement. And for me, it's we're going to play from about 30 seconds in. She's playing the marimba in this. And it's with the City Chamber Orchestra of Hong Kong. And for me, it's really nice to hear her playing something where the percussion takes place in the forefront. Uh, often it would be a an accompanying rhythm or something that's in the background that sets the sort of uh, tempo of a piece of music. But actually, this is where the marimba is right there at the front and celebrated. And this is a piece of music written for that instrument. So uh, let's have a listen. amazing when you hear the speed of which she's playing that marimba there and the accuracy too a really interesting piece of music again now finally I'd like to play you something completely different by Evelyn Glennie now this is a piece called African Sunrise and it's by composer David Heath this is with the BBC Concert Orchestra and if you watch this performance you'll see that the first thing she starts playing that we'll hear in a moment is a wheelbarrow I think that's One of the interesting things it must be, you know, uh, about being a percussionist is that really you can make an instrument out of anything, right? I mean, well, I can tap the box that we're on. I can use to click my fingers as a percussive instrument. What else could I do? I could get this. Here we go. I mean, what am I doing, you know? But to be honest with you, this is how I get my daughter to play musical instruments. I get, you know, what do we do? We get the pots and pans out, right? I turn them upside down for her. She turns them back over. We argue for a few minutes and then she starts banging them with paintbrushes. And you think, well, actually, there you go. You could use that as well. Yeah, we won't go there, Molly. 
Molly, who's listening in, is probably looking at me going, you know, you're just sacrificing your career right now, Laura. <laughs> anyway, she's playing a wheelbarrow. She's a dame. She can do what she wants, right? So this is a piece of music called African Sunrise. And just imagine in your mind a wheelbarrow on its end. And this is her whacking the middle of this wheelbarrow with sticks as well as a normal, more normal traditional drum set and percussion set, if you like. Let's have a listen. Amazing, absolutely amazing. And a piece of music I'd never heard before um, until researching more about her as an artist. And I just wanted to share with you, I think, how vast, you know, the instruments can be in the world of percussion and, and how incredible it is as well to see, as I said, a female a female musician doing so much and and having such a long-standing career as a soloist in percussion, as a percussionist. It's, it's amazing. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts? If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen, listen, bitch. Oh, listen, make, make, bitch. make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. Bear, uh, I, will, I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both up. <laughs> well, maybe it's just a good goth you're after. Georgie Porter and Sharon Carpenter are your go-to girls on Loose Lips. 
so it's got girth, though. It's got girth. Yeah. Mine, mine, mine is quite spindly and, and plastic. This is like long. Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on How Are You, the Wellbeing Podcast. So I just became a lot more productive and happier. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, that's just worth it. Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. Find them wherever you found this podcast. Let's move on to our second artist. So um, again, I'm going to read you a quote, see if you can work out who this is. Iconic as well, and someone who lost their sight at a young age. He's most His most famous quote is the one I'm going to read you. So this is his most famous quote, see if you can guess. Just because a man lacks the use of his eyes doesn't mean he lacks vision. If you haven't guessed it by now from that quote, I'm talking about the incredible Stevie Wonder. Here he is doing what he does best with one of my favourite songs, Isn't She Lovely? Let's listen to this one first. Here it comes. me smile that song so much I remember we we had a version of this at our wedding or I think did we have it at our wedding or did we we it was in the running to be performed at our wedding as you know that moment where you sign the register and you have this sort of musical interlude that's normally where people ask me to sing but I wasn't going to do that on my wedding day and um, we had a beautiful string quartet in the church and it was Christmas time and we almost I think chose this one that they would play but I think something about the lyrics and his voice that I think it would have been missed. So, and he wasn't available, you know. Um, (laughs) That was from the album Songs in the Key of Life and it was released in 1976. And the lyrics celebrated the birth of Stevie Wonder's daughter. And the song was written by Stevie Wonder and Bonetta Jones. And actually, interestingly as well, when I was listening to this, another performance came to mind when he sang it at the Diamond Jubilee concert back in 2012, year of the Olympics as well, for Queen Elizabeth. And the lyrics were modified to refer to the Queen. I want to read some of those lyrics to you now because they're quite sweet, the way that he's modified them for this particular performance. It says, isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she special, a young 86 years old? (laughs) I can't believe letting me celebrate the raw one. I mean, I don't think you spend that much time changing the lyrics, but still, I think if you were the queen, you might feel quite special at that point. If you hadn't already, you know, putting on this enormous concert for yourself, which is absolutely amazing. Let's talk about Stevie Wonder. He sold over 100 million records worldwide. It makes him one of the best-selling music artists of all time. And I think we throw about that phrase quite a lot on this podcast, but genuinely, that's pretty impossible to achieve. I mean, it is incredible. And he's someone who is a bit of a chameleon when it comes to music. He's spanned so many generations. Yes, he had that sort of golden age in the second half of the 20th century, but he's adapted. He was someone who used something called the sampler, which I'm going to talk to you about a little bit later. Um, So not afraid of sort of moving with the times, trying different technologies. He taught himself, um, yeah, let's talk about some facts. So he taught himself so many different instruments at such a young age. And I think, again, we sort of underestimate how hard it is to be self-taught 
and to have the confidence to then perform those instruments. We hear him, of course, you know, playing the harmonica, the piano, the drums, and of course, his incredible voice as well, which is so high for a male voice and still seems so easy. It's something that I'm always amazed by when I listen to him. His sort of range is so much higher than I expect it to be. And I think that's what gives his voice that sort of unique tone. So his birth name was actually, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Steveland Hardaway Judkins. And he was born on May 13th, 1950 in Michigan. He was born six weeks early with retinopathy. And so I think his eyesight wasn't fully developed um, being born so early. And of course, back then, the medical uh, world was obviously not as advanced as it is now. And in fact, there are allegedly there's there's information online that states that his parents were told to abort the the baby because of the worry of, of the issues that were surrounding the development. And so, you know, you think you wouldn't have had this incredible, iconic artist in our lives is crazy. And the eye disorder was exacerbated when he received too much oxygen when he was in an incubator after being born because he was so premature. And that's what led to the blindness. As I said, largely self-taught, so many different instruments that he was able to play by the age of 10. And as I mentioned as well, the ability to sort of shift when it comes to musical themes and, and shift through the ages. He used a, as I said, I was going to tell you a little bit about this sampler. So it's called a melodeon and music, it's a music sampler. And it might seem quite simple to us now, but if you go back, you know, 40 or 30 years, let's say, maybe 40 years, you know, him using that at the time was was really, really interesting and very, very new. Um, and I think that allowed him also to to use different elements of that into his music and into his recordings. He explains actually in something we're going to have a little listen to now how he uses the sampler. We're going to listen to the end of this little video and um, it's an MTV video and he sings the words MTV Stevie and shows that actually as he sings in a mic that's plugged into the sampler, he uses the keyboard that then sort of em emulates his voice. So it's almost like if you think of like a loop pedal sound altogether and, and the ability to sort of become a choir of your own voice, if you like. Um, so if you like the sound of your own voice, maybe get a sampler or a melodeon. Yeah, let's have a listen to him sort of explaining how that works now. And my voice becomes a chorus or a group. good so that showed you a little bit about how he was not afraid to um he didn't shy away anyway from new and interesting ways of creating music let's listen to a classic stevie wonder song and by classic i mean that it has wonder playing plenty of instruments on it we have the iconic solo of the harmonica midway through the track we have him on the piano and his beautiful amazing unique voice this is for once in my life let's have a listen for once in my life I have someone who needs me, someone I've needed so long. For once unafraid, I can go where life needs me. Somehow I know I'll be strong. For once I can touch it, but my heart used to dream of long before I knew. Oh, oh someone born like you. So good. I mean, it just makes you want to get up and move, doesn't it? This is why we have one of the Stevie Wonder songs in our previous podcast about songs that make you want to get up and dance. I mean, 
So good. And as you heard there, you know, his voice at the start feels quite low and, and sort of raspy. And then he still goes up to those high notes with such ease and just such soulfulness in the voice. Um, so that piece of music was written by Ron Miller and Orlando Murden. And it wasn't written by Stevie Wonder. And it was first recorded in 1965. Um, and Stevie Wonder's released uh, his, sorry, Stevie Wonder released his version in 1968. And that became just crazy popular for obvious reasons, um, so much more than the original. I mean, you'd be devastated, wouldn't you? You'd be like written this incredible song and then this guy just comes and like nails it and releases this single that is just ridiculously popular. And, you know, we're still playing it now, however many years later. So incredible. Um, Let's now break down one of his pieces of music. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of tell you a bit about what is going on in the music in the hope that then next time you listen to something of his or a different song, you can kind of pick it apart a bit and understand why different genres of music make us feel different things and make us move in different ways. We're going to break down his song Superstition. Now, a little bit of background. It reached number one in the US and he hadn't had a number one for almost 10 years. So this was like a big moment. Uh, it was released in 1972 on the record label Tamla, which I believe is is almost the only label that he released music with throughout his whole career. So he's been very loyal to that record label and they've obviously had a, a great relationship with his music. Um, and that is quite unusual for an artist. And often you'll see people move around from label to label, uh, depending on the type of music they're creating. Now on this track, Stevie Wonder's, you know, the lead vocal, he's playing the uh, clavinet, he's playing the drums and something called the Moog bass as well, which has that kind of sampler sound that we were talking about. When you hear that bum, 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 that sound of the bass line in Superstition is so well known right from the start. That's called the Moog bass. Um, the tenor saxophone is played by Trevor Lawrence and the trumpet is played by Steve Madeo. Now, this song is about, obviously, you know, Stevie Wonder believing in the sort of dangers of superstitions, uh, the bad luck that can come with certain superstitions and... Uh, they, you know, includes walking under a ladder, breaking a mirror, which, of course, you know, we know is seven years of bad luck, supposedly, and the number 13. So um, another little interesting thing about this piece of music before we hear it is that it was actually intended for Jeff Beck. He was brought in to play some guitar parts on on an album in, in exchange for a song. So that's obviously how things work back then. It was kind of like, you know, you come feature on my album, I'll write you a song, I'll throw you a bone kind of thing. And Stevie Wonder at one of those sessions came up with a riff, wrote some lyrics, and they recorded this rough version of the song that became Superstition. This was still for Jeff Beck. And he took a while to record this song. And at the time he released it, uh, Stevie Wonder had released his version and it had been out for a month and just became a massive hit. And so I think there was a little bit of kind of frustration there from Jeff Beck that, you know, he kind of felt like he'd been written this piece of music and, and no one really cared about his version. Um, but you know, what can you do? Stevie Wonder, right? Um, anyway, let's have a listen to uh, some of this track and then let's break down. So I'm going to play you three separate parts. The first part that we're going to hear is the very, very opening and it's something that sets the scene for that funk kind of genre. Um, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. So let's have a listen. Uh, 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 uh,
we could hear at the start there, you have the drum beat that opens up, the Moog bass I was talking about that has that bass line. And we're very much in this funk genre because, sorry, I'm shaking the laptop, because of the syncopated rhythm. So what we're going to hear next is when the trumpets come in, the brass section comes in. And what you'll hear is that you think there's no space in the song for something else, for another melody or another rhythm to, to come through. And yet the trumpets find any gap possible. So what we have is this so it's off the beat, it's syncopated. So if I'm going one, two, three, four, syncopated, one, two, three, four right? So it's off the beat. And that's what gives us that that kind of, oh, hang on a minute, this feels really, it makes you want to move more. It, it gives you a different sense of a rhythm. Because as we talked about before on this podcast, the emphasis of the beat is on a different part of the bar. It's on a different beat of the music. So that's why it feels so funky and so cool. And of course, as well, you know, I think brass has made a massive comeback in terms of in popular music in the last few years, as well as a saxophone, like we all love a saxophone solo now. Let's take it back then. This is when it was like amazing at the heart and soul of this genre. So let's have a listen to that section where we hear the trumpet. See if you can kind of try and get the beat of that. Bam, bam, ba ba da ba ba da bam, bam, ba dam, ba da bam, bam. Here it comes. Again, I'm sure that you heard that when we just listening to the trumpets and the brass there, but also when they then stop that syncopated rhythm and they play a long held note, it allows that space in the song. And that's where then the focus for me anyway, feels like it comes right back to the vocal and sort of gives that added sense of emphasis on the words, the lyrics, the vocal and the melody and, and the voice. So that's the interesting thing with this song is that it, it goes from bum, bum, ba ba da ba ba da bum to ba 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 bum bum ba ba da ba ba da bum so it's like long 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 short 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 and that kind of change as well keeps us interested in the music keeps us looking for what's next in the song so i mean that's one of the greatest tracks for me that stevie wonder has uh, written, performed, it's iconic. He is iconic, as is Dame Evelyn Glennie. And I just wanted to share with you my thoughts on them as musicians, um, why some of their music is so incredible, and just the wonderful things that they're doing in the art. And I think it's great to talk about these things, especially at the moment when we're seeing such a huge cut in funding. 50% funding cut has been propositioned for the arts, and it, it's devastating to an industry that at the moment is already on its knees. So I think we have to lift these people up. We have to celebrate them. And, you know, our future, I guess, in a way is in their hands a little bit because they have the power to speak out and to help. So um, if I can help in some way by sharing what they do with you all, then I think that's a good thing. Any other artists that you guys love that you want to know more about, please get in touch. Let me know. 
Uh, we've got some really cool guests coming up as well who are from the world of music, uh, incredible artists who are very, very talented. And it's going to be really exciting to hear about what they see as important music. So I'll see you next time for another episode of Music In My Life. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please, please, I'd love you to rate, review and follow the podcast so that you're in the know for when the next episode is coming out. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time. Bye. I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming minisode. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.